All right, do a test for me. Test, test. Yeah, that looks good. Do you want me to close this? Yeah. They decided to get noisy right with me. <laughs> okay, so can you say your name for me? I'm Ryan Miles, husband of the best podcast <laughs> no. host in the world. Okay, that will be edited. And <laughs> All right, so why am I talking to you today? What are we going to talk about? T-shirts. We're going to talk about T-shirts. Over, let's just say since since high school, if you had to guess, how many T-shirts have you owned? Like, that you've kept longer than a year. Oh, probably, definitely in hundreds. Hun- hundreds of T-shirts. Is that right, Eli? Ah. Good. <laughs> so, hundreds of T-shirts. Why do you think you have kept so many t-shirts over the years? Because they're memories, and I can't get rid of them. What is that? What, what do you mean You've by that? You've seen their... the movie Inside Out, right? I've... When they when it has all the memories stored in little balls? Yes. Yeah, well, I store my memories in t-shirts. <laughs> t-shirts. I have little minions in storage containers that <laughs> have t-shirts from races and favorite teams and events. What did you just do for me for Mother's Day? I got rid of most of the t-shirts you know about. (laughs) What? Is there there a storage container somewhere that I know? (laughs) No comment. One more question. What has been your favorite t-shirt if you had to pick one? Probably one of the ones I designed for uh, cross country. That's right. You went, you were a t-shirt designer. I was the best, babe. You could, I don't know. Well, I could have debatable. sold millions. <laughs> if the internet was around back then, we'd You're be You're not rich. that old. <laughs> <laughs> Is that funny? Rolling in a okay. t-shirt. All right. We're going to. Mansion we're somewhere. Done. <laughs> we're done. <laughs> This is the story of wearing your faith on your sleeve. first came up with the idea of this podcast, I wrote down a long list of topics and themes, (laughs) which I wanted to talk about things I saw in my own faith journey, things I saw happening in the world around me. And at the top of that list, just under blogging, which I did a whole series on last season, by the way, was the word beauty. Now, part of this was simply for my own spiritual journey. I had been thinking about the importance of beauty in my own life, how much I wanted to better integrate the arts into my life. But part of it was also because I felt like the church wasn't really paying attention to the artistic trends happening around her. We have been so consumed, especially in the United States, but really all over the world, with scandals and bureaucratic issues and partisan divides, that the artistic pursuits of Catholics were often left to the side. But you see, this, of course, is a huge, huge problem. Because when we're not paying attention to art, 
heart, when we don't make art a priority, then we also aren't actually listening to the needs, not just of the faithful, but the culture as a whole. I was reminded of this idea with something Elizabeth Love said in our chat a few months ago. Elizabeth Love, if you remember, is an art historian living in Rome. We featured her a bunch this season and we're likely not done. <laughs> but Elizabeth was talking about this idea of the mistrust of the beautiful. I'm going to replay this segment now because of something else Elizabeth said at the very end of her thought. That there has become a kind of mistrust of the beautiful. People seem to feel that truth is in the gritty and in the brutal. So we mind it's almost like a Machiavellian mindset. Let's know the worst of everything. And that's where we find truth. We look for truth and ugliness and grittiness and brutality and in, in, in a kind of a sense of the truth of the human condition is this miserable condition. And so art has begun to reflect that. That's what art does. Art reflects what people are are thinking. Did you catch that? <laughs> Elizabeth made a very simple reference to an incredibly important idea. Art reflects what people are thinking. And so art, or even better, artistic trends, what's currently popular, especially among the youth, actually tells us something about the values and ideals of a culture. It reflects what people are thinking. And if that's true, which I of course think it is, <laughs> then that means the church should be paying attention to what is happening in the artistic world around them and not so they can demean it or put it down, but so they can lift it up. So it got me thinking as I began brainstorming this season that if I wanted to do an honest assessment of the Catholic church and artists, then I have to look at what's popular. Because the bottom line, like it or not, popular artistic trends are important to understand the needs of the culture that is being communicated. Now, I only joined Instagram about a half a year ago, I guess, something like that. <laughs> so I have been wildly out of the loop for years now about what has been trending in the visual space. But I have been doing some research. And for these next two episodes, we're going to be diving into the worlds of two popular artistic mediums among Catholics today. And we're going to get at the why. Why are these two mediums, particularly these artists, so popular today. And what does that say to us, the church, about how we can better reach our flocks, better communicate the gospel, better unveil the mystery in the manners? So first up, and I'm sure you know where this is going, we're diving into the world of t-shirts, or to be more specific, three particular t-shirts. You see, we're going to do something a little fun for today. We're going to tell our story not simply through the perspective of the artists themselves. We're going to tell our story through the story of our artists' most popular designs and what they say about the spiritual needs of the people. And my own curiosity about this topic was piqued because when I joined Instagram, I kept seeing this one t-shirt everywhere <laughs> on the medium. It was a shirt that said three simple words, the living person. And I remember thinking, what on earth does that mean? <laughs> I have a feeling there might be a story there. And as it turns out, folks, I was right. So we're calling this first part of our episode, the AMDG t-shirt. When I close my eyes, all I see 
My name is Jarrell Sison, and I'm the co-founder of TheLivingPerson.com. Jarrell is also a campus minister at John Carroll University, a Jesuit school in Cleveland. And really, it is Cleveland where our story begins. Jarrell was born in the States to immigrant parents from the Philippines, and Cleveland has always been his home. He was raised Catholic, and while he said he always felt peace when he went to church, most of his adolescence was doing alternative activities. Yeah, I was in a punk rock band playing in these, like, just like downtown city bars. So I'd be like 15 years old walking into a bar full of smoke and people drinking and uh, playing punk rock. <laughs> and like we did a few battle of the bands and we won a few battle of the bands and then we it just kind of like kicked off our career. So I kind of spent my, my high school year, sophomore year, junior year, and then senior year playing in these bands and like touring all around Cleveland. So Jarrell readily admits that he didn't have what many might consider a traditional high school life. He went to church, but he didn't really participate in youth group or school clubs, campus ministry. And actually, he even joined another band, a thrash metal band. <laughs> so he saw, as you can imagine, some really interesting things things as a young high schooler. But as he headed towards the end of his high school years, he felt, like many of us know, an emptiness about the way he was living his life. As Darrell puts it, he never really felt like himself. That is until one moment in his senior year. And then I had made my first retreat, I think the summer after I had graduated high school. And for the first time, I had felt like myself. <laughs> like I didn't know what I meant to feel like myself like before that, but then I had gotten this taste of what it was like to feel like authentically me and like free. Um, and um, I had discovered that Jesus was a part of that. <laughs> and all I wanted to do was have more of that. Like after all, all these years of like pretending, the only thing that I had wanted was to be me. And as a result of this experience, his life completely changed. After spending years playing music, even playing in places like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, he said goodbye to his band and he changed his life. And his mission changed too. This new mission would go on to shape the work which he would do, the work we now know as the living person. After his conversion, Jarrell went on to study at John Carroll University and in particular entered their graduate program in what was called the Resident Ministry Program. This program, a graduate assistantship, had its participants live in the resident halls with the students and each year the participants were asked to start a program. So Jarrell looked at his skill set. He was great with people. He was a talented photographer and videographer, but he racked and racked his brain for what his program could be. And he struggled. He struggled to find the answers until about 2012 and into 2013 when a priest did something which, in a sense, would go on to change his life. Father H. Paul Kim, and he uh, was a marathon runner. And for the 125th anniversary of the of the university, he kind of like set out a goal to recruit 125 students to run with him the Cleveland half marathon and marathon. And we're all like looking at him like he was crazy, you know, 
he had this like unwavering self-belief that um, if he just invited people and believed in people, that they could do it. Um, and his running group was called The Living Person. Father H. Paul Kim slowly recruited all sorts of people to commit to running with him in the marathon, the half marathon, and even the 5K race. And as the months went on, more and more people joined this group. What started as a group of about 20 runners ended up with over 125 people training and running for the event. We have this this amazing picture of, of all the students wearing this living person t-shirt like right before the race. And um, that's when I was like, maybe this is something, you know, because I had been so affected by somebody just looking at me and saying like, oh, no, you can. And it wasn't long until Jarrell, so impressed by the commitment and dedication of the father and these students, it wasn't long until he realized that this might be something bigger <laughs> than just one race. Could this be his graduate assistantship program? So I asked Father H. Paul, I said, like, like would it be okay if, if we continued your programming, if we continued your, your vision for the living person? And he said, yes. And he pointed at me. And he said, as long as you do it in your own way. In other words, Jarrell realized he could take the idea of the race and include more aspects of the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Why don't we take what we did with running and include all these different aspects? So Jarrell put together cardstock cards, each card asking for someone to commit to a challenge, any challenge, which could challenge you mentally, spiritually, or physically for 30 days. I don't know, 30 days later, we were getting people coming into our offices being like, yeah, I prayed the rosary for 30 days in a row. It was life-changing, you know? And then people would be like, yeah, I ran a 5K. It was life-changing. Me and my friend, blah, 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 we ran the 5K. We never used to run. And then like two months later, we had two girls that had gone to mass every single day. And we were like, what? Like, this is something. And so began the living person. Jarrell went on to graduate, went into youth ministry, teaching, making videos, even got into photography some, and decided people liked the program so much, he would just on the side begin to post some of his challenges on social media, specifically Instagram. And as his following grew, the amount of time dedicated to the living person grew as well. To get some side income, because he was spending so much time on it, <laughs> he thought, how about t-shirts? That's it. It's that simple. <laughs> and really, isn't that the beauty of the living person? Simple words on a t-shirt. But it's not just words on a t-shirt. When people look at Jarrell's designs, some by him, some by his sister, they know there is a story behind the words. And that story could look different for every single person. But you can tell when somebody's like, I need that t-shirt because it's emotional. When people see a design and they immediately think of a moment where they had encountered God's love in the most radical, life-changing, like life-altering, transforming way. There's a difference between liking a t-shirt and like needing the t-shirt because it summarizes one of your life moments where the Lord has worked. 
All of that from just words on a t-shirt. Words which unveil the movements of grace, movements which look different for each person who wears it. And as Jarrell said, the words are so important because they communicate deeper truths about the human person, right? The living person. Listen, I can just go to Target and buy a t-shirt with a cool design, right? But it won't mean much to me in the long run because it's not conveying something deeper. But there's this other thing that Terrell is doing, which I love. The genius behind Terrell's mission and brand and the other artists actually that we'll speak with today is that they're not doing anything extravagant, right? The mission is not the words alone, but it's also the simplicity, Take, for example, Jarrell's most popular t-shirt and sweatshirt, too. I sell a lot of AMDG t-shirts and a lot of AMDG the sweaters. In case you missed that, Jarrell sells t-shirts with four letters. A-M-D-G. As Catholics, we know this to mean ad majorium de gloriam, all for the greater glory of God. But Jarrell has just taken these four letters, placed them on a t-shirt, And people are drawn to it. (laughs) And there are some days when this even stumps Jarrell. So there's that one, and then there's also the we will run and not grow weary. They're not even, like, cool designs. In fact, like, the the coolest design that we have, right, the coolest design that we have is, in my opinion, the death to life one. And, look, I think, I literally think that we've sold three of them. We've, we've sold next to none of those, you know, we've sold next to none of those. And it just speaks, it's just like very telling that the design and the things that people purchase are, are directly tied to, um, not like an aesthetic, but like an experience with Christ. Listen, church, the whole purpose of this episode is to get at the why, right? What does it say about our culture that Jarrell's most popular t-shirt contains four simple letters? I think we know the answer, of course. Bringing people into a life of faith doesn't have to be complicated. We don't need excess conferences and meet and greets and materials. I mean, we might, but that's not the basis of it. It starts with a simple experience. It starts with allowing people to enter more deeply into the life of faith with a basic starting point and maybe even a question. Hey, cool shirt, but what does AMDG mean? I had no idea that these AMDG things would would just like, I was like, oh, this death to life shirt's going to be lit. It's going to be awesome. You know, here's me trying to, to like force into the scene, like what I think is going to be amazing and what I think teens are going to need or what like young people are going to love. And it's not a thing. You know what I mean? And it's just another example of the ways in which like, I need to let go of what I think is best and then try to pay attention to the ways that God is moving in the hearts of young people. Exactly. <laughs> the church can learn from the success of Jarrell and the living person by actually listening to the needs of young people. We hear so much nowadays about the nuns, right? The unaffiliated, the drastic number of kids leaving the faith. And part of that is because we haven't been very good listeners. 
And we also have turned our backs to almost any artistic movements of the culture, which is just so unfair. Jarrell even told me one of his most popular designs, a Defend Life t-shirt, was borrowed from a popular secular t-shirt design he saw. We'll see this with other artists today as well. But following Jarrell's lead, the church can enter into artistic trends and movements of the culture and use those same visually appealing designs to lift them up. Lift them beyond the words and lift them into an encounter. I believe with every fiber of my being that people's lives will be transformed when they have an authentic, powerful, impactful encounter with Jesus' love. When I close my eyes, all I see are skyscrapers towering over me. When I close my eyes, all I say are my prayers. I want to wear my faith on my sleeve, but I was so used to seeing things like Jesus riding on an American Eagle, and it was like, I can't wear that, you know? This, by the way, is an incredible woman named Lauren Winter. And I am the small business owner at Brick House in the City. And this is part two the Stella Maris t-shirt. Lauren's story begins in a small town in Connecticut where she was raised in a devout Catholic family. Her mom was a youth minister. Her dad was a core team member of the youth group. The faith for Lauren was infused into her life at an early age. But there was this other aspect of her childhood which would shape Lauren's personal and professional future. So I have three sisters. So Sisterhood and womanhood has always been a big part of my identity because we're all very close. And my mom just kind of raised us to cherish that sisterhood. Lauren went to college at the University of Steubenville, got a degree in education, taught for five years before staying home after the birth of her first baby. And it is during that time that Brick House in the City was born. We've gone from teaching to graphic design, which is like a, a big leap very different. So it's, it's been quite the ride to make that transition. So how did Lauren go from teaching to staying at home to being one of the most popular Catholic t-shirt designers in the country? Lauren told me how, though she was always drawn to the arts, loved creating and making, the arts usually also involved a lot of stuff, right? <laughs> For example, she tried dabbling in painting and calligraphy a bit, but because her first daughter wasn't a very good sleeper, I have been there. By the time Lauren would get all her materials set up, her little one would wake, and she just felt like she could never get fully started in the craft. She knew she needed to create in a way which would be easier for her to simply save digitally just in case her little one woke and ruined her plans. So enter graphic design. We need a creative hobby where I can like use my creative energy and make something but that I you know I can like press save and get back to you more easily so my husband actually was the one to suggest to try and graphic design so I was like okay and I taught myself I downloaded videos from YouTube and um, I just spent months kind of like really 
pouring myself into it. Lauren started with a printable shop on Etsy, and while she enjoyed the work, she enjoyed going at her own pace, how she could integrate the work into motherhood. She also began to think she wanted to do more. It was a great start, but then I kind of got, I got this itch. I was like, I don't know, like I just, this isn't it. Like this is good, and this is a good start, but this, this isn't it. And then one day we were actually, we were driving to uh, my hometown in Connecticut and I was doodling because my husband is a saint and he just, he does the whole drive himself. So I was, I was sitting, you know, between the kids trying to keep them entertained, but I was doodling and, and I had my first shirt idea, which was the Fiat shirt, which I see now is like a very fitting for shirt. And I remember I messaged my friends and I was like, would you guys, wear something like this and I was I was very nervous you know because I I never thought of dabbling in the apparel world but the feedback that I got was great so I thought you know what let's not let's you know let's give it a shot so Lauren started with fiat and litany shirts released at the same time and from there things snowballed (laughs) people went crazy for these shirts how i found out about lauren is i swear on all saints day i must have seen at least 20 people wearing a different variation of the litany shirt and this gets back to our why Listen, our podcast isn't simply about answering questions about faith and culture. I'm also pretty fascinated by how we are wired, why we are drawn to the things we are drawn to. So what was it about these designs which just made Brick House in the City take off? I think our brains are just really wired to seek simplicity. I mean, that's why you have like the the KonMari phenomenon, you know, where people are like, let's just get rid of the things keep it simple and even like even in nature so something that's like seemingly chaotic you know like a landscape but when you when you get up close you see how like simple and symmetric the designs are so I think I think I think our minds just crave that that simplicity yes exactly (laughs) because here's the thing just like we address with Jarrell's story as well there is an artistic and spiritual component to this not just because Lauren makes prayer central to her design process but also because our minds are drawn to the simplicity of Lauren's shirts because God has made us to be this way. We are drawn to the simple because he designed us to crave the simple, ordinary messages of love and mercy, which he practically just shouts to us from the gospel. Which is, I think, kind of a testament to God in how even though he is so complex, he's so generous with us in making our mission simple. I think what I try to do with the shirt is to take the simplicity that we can find in the gospel in God's message, like loving your neighbor and just putting it, putting that out there, you know, and really it, it can be complex, but the root of it is so simple to just to love and to serve and trying to get the message out there in a simple way that people can digest. If something's too complex, our brains just kind of like skip over it. 
This is so great. I love this so much. <laughs> the simplicity of Lauren's designs are meant to point to the simplicity of the gospel message. Lauren is a devout, lifelong Catholic. She is very well catechized and well informed about her faith. But in a sense, she's also trying to tell us, no, really guys, it's just as simple as loving your neighbor. <laughs> or perhaps she's trying to say, hey guys, you see these names right here on a t-shirt? You can talk to them, ask them for prayers, remember them and honor their lives. I think when you can like break it down like that, it gives people kind of some comfort in like knowing that with the saints of color that like these are my people you know everyone has different devotions but if you can being able to connect with the different saints is, is a really special thing she's been able to customize these shirts even saints of the modern era black saints women saints it is so brilliant and it is so not complicated art has a way of doing this of stripping complicated ideals and abstract thinking and bringing it to the everyday which brings me to Lauren's most beloved, most popular t-shirt, the Stella Maris t-shirt. So the Strong Women Make Waves team was working on that right after um, the Pennsylvania report. So I was just kind of in like a very raw place. You know, I felt the weight of my responsibility as a layperson to to do something and to act. Um, so I think that was really on my heart. And I was having a, a conversation with a friend who was also, you know, grappling with the situation. And for the phrase, strong women make waves, just kind of slipped out of my mouth, not even in relation to Mary. And it, it just, it kind of, the phrase after I said it stuck around in my head. And I was like, this this is on my heart for a reason. And then it just kind of, then I thought of Stella Morris, who I actually have a devotion to. And I was like, this, this is perfect. Our Lady of the Sea. You can see an image of this t-shirt on our website, by the way. It's a picture of Our Lady crowned with stars standing over the waves of an ocean. And right above her head is this phrase, strong women make waves. The epitome of faith and strength. Mary's great yes, which changed the world. I think that that shirt has really, really resonated with women because I think that, you know, that moment when women can name their strength and acknowledge their strength, it's such a game changer. Just be able to stand up and say, like, I, I'm a strong woman and my fiat's going to be strong and I'm going to set the world ablaze and I'm going to blaze my path to sainthood. You know, it's just, it's empowering to recognize our, our God-given strength. So I think a lot of women are drawn to this shirt because it kind of gives them the courage to do those hard and holy things. I cannot tell you how much this resonated with me, how much I loved this so much, this message. And something Lauren said reminded me about another gift of art to the church. It gives a voice to those who often feel like they might not have one. We don't need to go into this too much here, but I can just tell you from personal experience how difficult it can be as a laywoman in the church today, how undervalued we often feel, how criticized we often are for every little thing. But the popularity of the Stella Maris should probably tell the church that, hey, 
women are here and we want our voices to be heard too. In a Catholic culture, growing up at least, I kind of felt like I had to fit into this mold to be a holy Catholic woman, that I had to be timid and pray really quietly. I, I'm not that person. Um, I'm opinionated and and I, I think I'm a strong person. So I think just knowing that we don't have to fit that mold, that Mary is such like a multifaceted woman, um, that we can embrace her tenderness just as much as we embrace her strength. The message is simple and beautiful. And that simple, beautiful message of women's strength and holiness is communicated through the simple beauty of the designs. Lauren, like Terrell, is not afraid to borrow artistic trends from the secular culture. She sees the gift of visual beauty and she redeems it with the message of the gospel. She sees what people, especially young people, are drawn to and she uses those trends as a starting point for the faith. Wearing the faith on her sleeve? I don't think there are many better in the business than Brick House in the City. Like I was reading this article recently where they surveyed millennial Christians. I think the numbers were 94% felt that coming to know Jesus was the best thing that could ever happen to someone. But yet 47% felt that sharing their face was weird and wrong and uncomfortable. One of my goals with the shirts is to kind of ease into that gap and bridge that gap to give people kind of a tool for evangelization, a conversation starter, you know, something where they could draw people into the faith without being too in your faith. When I close my eyes, all I see are skyscrapers towering over me. When I close my eyes, all I see This is part three, listeners, the Watia t-shirt, and this is the creative genius behind it. My name is Joe Kim. I, I am the creative director for PAL Campaign, which stands for Peace and Love Campaign. Joe Kim was born in South Korea, but moved to Chicago when he was only six with his mother and twin brother. His mother was a single mom, but created a beautiful faith-filled life for her and her two sons. And my mom was actually a recent convert as well. My family had all converted when she was she was a teenager. My, my uncle was delivering newspapers one early morning in the snow and he fainted and he, he collapsed into the snow and a few nuns at a near, from a nearby church found him a few hours later and, and pretty much resuscitated and saved him. And so my, my grandparents, you know, attributed the sisters to saving his life. And so after that, they all decided to get, you know, become Catholic. But my mom, she didn't really practice and I don't think any of them really practiced until uh, much later in their lives. But uh, once my mom had my brother and I um, she began to really become quite devout. And I think it was, uh, you know, moving to a new country. It was a very um, comforting thing for her and uh, separation from, from my dad. So they separated. And afterwards, the faith and prayer and community that it brought really became something quite sustainable and, and consoling for her. And Joe and his brother Paul saw the faith lived out in a devoted, consistent way throughout their childhood. And Joe gives all the credit to his mom for this, by the way, including their own steadfast faith. Youth ministry became a 
second family to them growing up, including conferences, rallies, youth groups, you get the picture. But Joe also at this time developed a passion for art, so much so that he decided to follow his artistic dreams to college. And it was shortly after that his two loves, art and faith, started to converge. The youth minister at the time, she knew I went to art school and she knew I was pretty talented. I had drawn some things before. And so she said, hey, we're going to this conference called Steubenville and we would love for you to draw draw the t-shirt for us or design the t-shirt. And so I had never really designed a t-shirt before, but that first t-shirt design was really well received. Let's take a journey to the 90s for a minute, listeners. <laughs> because I think many of us, even if you weren't raised in the faith at all, but you can probably remember the great rise of the t-shirt, right? <laughs> at school and church functions of our childhood. The bright neon colors, very basic Microsoft Word logos on, and the font. <laughs> oh goodness, the fonts. Sometimes there would just be a list of random sponsors or people on the back, right? <laughs> that is not Joe's t-shirt. She said, man, you know, there were so many groups that came up to us and asked us where we got our t-shirts and how cool it was. And then the students started wearing it, you know, on the weekends to their school. And so I became, I became kind of my church's resident t-shirt designer for every event. The process of creating these shirts for Joe became extremely fulfilling, especially considering how well received they were. Joe went on to become a youth minister in the middle of his studies in art school and even worked at an animation studio. But in the back of his mind, Joe always came back to the t-shirts. And so on a leap of faith, he actually resigned from the studio and nine years ago founded the PAL campaign. But things did not take off right away. And as a result, Joe took extra work as a substitute teacher teaching web design to high schoolers. But they liked him so much that the job became permanent the following year. That was about nine, ten years ago as well. And so that's what kind of kept me going. And since I became a full-time teacher, uh, PAL campaign was just something I kind of ran on the side. And But I just began to get so overwhelmed with the obligations and the, and the responsibilities of a teacher that I said, you know what, although this was really fun and it was such a great experience, I'm going to uh, let go of this for now and, and just see what happens. And so I shut down the company, I think after about three or four years of running it, and then I recently restarted it two years ago. And goodness gracious, am I happy he restarted it. <laughs> because have you seen some of the work of the Val campaign? It is so stinking clever and fun. Even the stuff which started out as a total joke, <laughs> like a recent April Fool's Day shirts, which he sold. And these shirts, oh my goodness, they're so funny. They had things like future patron saint of Instagram or future patron saint of potted plants on them. The designs are awesome. And of course, like we've said all episode, the message is necessary and timely. I knew that we can really represent this faith visually and graphically as, as beautiful as its content. And that was, that's always kind of been this underlying tagline that I have for myself. It's like, we have this incredibly brilliant, you know, 2000 year old spirituality and faith. And just in my life, I've seen that brilliance really take effect. Things that I thought were maybe didn't make sense at one point in my life, you know, having experienced life, you begin to see why the church um, has these teachings and and how those teachings have inspired people throughout history to do what they do and, and continue to inspire us. And so I said, hey, here's a 
thing that is really beautiful. And I knew that my life was better with God than without it. And the representation of that, for me, the only one of the only ways to really express that, because I'm not very, I'm an introvert, and I'm not very expressive, and I'm not, you know, publicly or vocally evangelical. And so for me, one of the best ways to express that was through wearing t-shirts or through, through maybe having a sticker on, on something that I have. And it was just a subtle way for me to express my faith, be proud of it, and then also look good while doing it. So that was my personal motivation. I, I saw that maybe graphic representation wasn't as good, and maybe it was an afterthought, and I wanted to really bring that level up. So as a service to the church, and, and then for the common good, and then also for myself as a way for me to represent myself to the world. Just said something which made me think and think after our chat. <laughs> he said, quote, the graphic arts is often seen as an afterthought. T-shirt design and really other graphic design in the church as well, from websites to logos, you get the picture. For a long time, the church always seemed one step behind the artistic trends and just really good graphic art. Many of us grew up in this era, in fact, where art was an afterthought. What mattered more was the experience of the thing and the protection of truth. And obviously both of these are important, but what Joe and Jarrell and Lauren have realized is that the art has to be good too. Even when Jarrell jokes about not being an artist himself, he still has the insight to see what the culture is drawn to and to respond with our own messaging. Because the bottom line is the artistic appeal of the shirts matter. They have to keep up with current artistic trends of the culture, as long as they're appropriate, of course. They have to be visually appealing. They have to be minimal in their design and convey a deeper message. The graphic arts matter. Which brings me to the PAL campaign's most popular selling t-shirt. By far, the most popular item has been the Wotia t-shirt, which features a face it's a it's a graphically illustrated face of JP2. He has this cool little, I guess, Kangol hat and, and sunglasses, and, and it says Botia. A few years ago, Joe was given a book about JP2. It was a paper puppet book about JP2's life, and actually, I'm pretty sure I have this book <laughs> for my kiddos. But at the same time, he received this book about JP2, one of his favorite saints and a man who really changed his life. Joe was also keeping up with what was happening in the artistic world of the culture including watching his favorite show, Breaking Bad. And if you follow the show or even some of the underground fans of the show, you know one of the most popular images and subsequently t-shirts for fans is a graphic black and white image of Walter White's face with the words Heisenberg underneath. I'm just guessing this is called Breaking Bad because, you know, what happens to people when they get to this breaking point, right? Like, do they turn bad or do they turn good? And I thought one of the all, like, kind of subtext for this T-shirt was like, well, actually, Carol Tia, he faced a lot of challenges when he was younger, but instead of Breaking Bad, he broke good. You know, he, like, he really took those adversities and, and, and used that to, to bless other people and, and grow from that. And so it was designed super quick. This was, like, a 20-minute design. And... And it's, it's so funny how this is the best-selling shirt. And, it, you know, St. John Paul II has always been kind of this patron for, for PAL campaign. You can see an image of this shirt on our website, by the way. But Joe's right. It is just an awesome, hipster-looking graphic image of JP2. And people 
love it. (laughs) And it's here where we circle back to what we've been saying this entire episode. Because this JP2 design, a shirt my husband actually owned for many years, I found out, is the epitome of everything the church should be paying attention to. For starters, it's clearly visually appealing. It plays off popular culture and popular design. But the shirt also embraces the artistic trend of minimalism. We've been speaking so much about this this episode. There isn't a lot to it. And that is what is so powerful. There's this new minimalistic trend where uh, even with there's a show on Netflix called uh, Tidying Up with Marie Kondo. By the way, I'm not kidding. I'm pretty sure all three of our guests brought up Marie Kondo <laughs> and this new love of minimalism. And I, I think the, the attraction behind that is that especially this generation, especially now we're so cluttered with stuff, whether it's digital imagery or just, you know, I find myself whenever I have a free moment, not just enjoying that moment, but trying to fill it with something. And maybe the simplicity of the designs speaks to that a little bit. Just there's not much there except that forces you to focus on whatever is there. So for me, that always has been the idea that that there is an elegance and a, and a beauty to the sim- simple. All of Joe's designs embrace this. Like we heard with Jarrell and Lauren as well, the simple nature of the designs forces us to be able to talk about deeper, more important realities. Just the simplicity makes you focus on it, uh, actually makes you ask some deeper questions and, and it's bold and it's right there. And people can still interpret it in different ways, but it really begins to guide that question. And these deeper realities, these deeper questions really are the heart of the matter, aren't they? These shirts might be a starting point, but they're also a really powerful one. Think about that, how beautiful, simple graphic art could possibly do even more than the greatest and most eloquent of speeches, right? (laughs) Beauty invites, and who knew that t-shirts could be an avenue to this invitation. You know, I've, I heard that a T-shirt is seen about 3,000 times before it's discarded. And so if, if during those 3,000 times, 100 heads have been churned and it can lead to discussion, and I think that's valuable. When I close my eyes, all I see are skyscrapers towering over me. When I close my eyes, all I see I got dreams so much bigger than reality. They're scaring me. Skyscraping zone, waiting for someone to carry me to the finish line. Man, I'm like kerosene, waiting for a match to light me up. There'll be no stopping me. I wake up every day, check my feet, see who's following me. Spotify, check the streams. None of this means a thing if I don't follow where you lead. No plan B, don't you see? This is my reality. They say it takes 10 years to become an overnight success. Well, I'm eight years in and I'm ready for what's next. I'm so honored by the gift of every year that I'm lent. You can spend your money anywhere, so thanks for paying my rent. I close my eyes late at night. The stars, they're shining bright. And I just don't got the time to wait for them to align. I hear a voice inside my heart like a ripple in the dark. Waters of a pond reflecting who you are.
One more thing before we go, I have said it so many times in this episode, but I'm going to reiterate it one more time. The art, the design of t-shirts, they matter. No one benefits if our t-shirts look like a bunch of Microsoft Word logos plopped into a collage format, right? (laughs) Visual aesthetic matters. And while the church is often busy with other concerns, while art falls to the side, it's people like Jarrell and Lauren and Joe who will usher in a new wave of young people falling in love with the Lord through the arts, through words on a t-shirt. These boots on the ground folks are in a sense doing the heavy lifting and I hope and pray that the church is taking notice. But it's not just the designs themselves, which I hope the church is noticing. It's also the creative act. In other words, what is popular in the world of creating today? And what does this teach us about the needs of our church and the needs of our culture? next time on Mystery Through Manners. Thank you so, so much to Jarrell, Lauren, and Joe for letting me feature them in today's episode. Their wonderful works and information about their various companies and amazing designs can be found on our website, mysterymannerspodcast.com. And thanks to my husband for letting me talk to him about his love of (laughs) t-shirts. Thank you so much also to Connor Flanagan and his amazing song, Skyscrapers. You can find out more information about his music as well on our website. All right, folks, we'll be back in two weeks. God bless you, and we'll see you then.